Encore with Shannon Fogarty. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com Welcome to Encore on Midlands 103 with me, Shannon Fogarty, the Midlands dedicated arts show, bringing you the absolute best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. To get in touch, you can pop me a text on 083 30 10 103 or if you want something on the show, you can email me at encore at midlands103.com or as always, follow us across all of our social channels at Midlands 103. Tonight, you'll hear from Tullamore writer Donna Mills on her first children's book, Fidelma Mahan from Eden Derry on being selected as a winner at the Novel Fair. You'll also hear about the first music contact and theatre forums paying conditions survey of the music and performing arts industries. And you will find out everything you need to know about this year's Spink Festival, Spink Music Festival. So as always, we have a packed show. So let's dive right into my first guest. So Tullamore woman Donna Mills joins us to chat about her recently released children's book. Donna, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your book, What Can I Do? Okay, it is a children's picture book about an elephant who is feeling a little bit unsure of himself, doesn't know where he fits in. So he goes on a little journey to the circus. He wants to join. He sees all of these other acts, all the other animals doing their tricks and all their talents. And he he's so unsure of himself, he just goes to copy them. And he fails every time in a fun, lighthearted kid way. And he starts to give up because he can't do any of the tricks that the others do. But the other animals all come together to remind him just how special and important he really is and how amazing and unique we all are and that he is way more important than he realises. That's so sweet. Oh, my God. It is. It's a lovely little book. It is. And it's it's a picture book, so has these bright, colourful pictures, and it's, it is. It's really sweet. It's really taken off so far. Oh, that's fantastic. So where did the inspiration come to for writing this book? Yeah, so we've always been a reading family, so I've read to, I have four boys, and I've read to them since they were tiny. And as they were getting older, especially my oldest two, who are 11 and 9, I've noticed that they're very different. One is super sporty, and the other is more academic, drama, music. And I put the two of them into gymnastics and then my nine-year-old took to it really well. And he was super at it, could do all these amazing backflips and tricks and stuff. And my older boy just noticed, you know, his brother was much better at it than he was. So, you know, it was about finding then for my 11-year-old, well, okay, it's okay that you're not good at that, but I'm sure you're great at something else. So it was my job then to kind of remind him that he is good at something else and he is he's amazing he plays guitar and he loves drama you know so it's about finding our own talents that we all have like no one was left out when you know everyone has talents and no one is left out it's just finding it what it is that we're good at and that's just it everyone is unique in their own different ways oh, you know and as absolutely. you said as you said one son might like sports and the other might like drama yeah. and that's completely you know, okay even, yeah and even as adults we compare ourselves all the time to others you know, as a mom, I compare myself to other moms and, you know, but we all are doing great at what we're doing. You know, we're all just trying our best and that's all you can do. Exactly. And I think people tend to forget that sometimes as well, especially as we get older, yeah. you know. But and I go around to, this, I, you know, I go around to the schools and, you know, I hear a lot of, of kids are saying, oh, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. 
And then I'd be like, um, remind them of some talents that they may be good at, you know, helping friends. It's as simple as that. You know, are you really good when, when your friend needs help and you go and help them? So uh-huh. might just, yeah, just maybe like if friends could remind each other, especially in schools, you know, pick each other up. So that's what the animals did in the circus. They all got together to help Elephant and give him a little pick-me-up. That is so sweet. And I know this is your first book that you've ever written because you, you previously worked in residential care and studied social care. Yeah, I did. I, I studied social care and then I worked in um, residential care, working with young adults, mostly with disabilities. Oh, um, wow. but while I was, Yeah, but while I was on maternity leave, um, I love to be kept busy. <laughs> so while I was on maternity and everyone says that to me, like, you're not supposed to be doing stuff like that on maternity leave. But while I was on it then, I decided I'd start writing. So when baby was sleeping on me, I'd take out pen and paper and just start writing away. And it came really quick once I started. So that was great. And I guess for people that haven't written a book but would like to write a book, what sort of advice would you give them? Oh, just do it. Just go for it. You know, you're going to have days where you feel like giving up. I absolutely did, you know, and I was like, no, it's too much for me. I can't. Um, But just keep going. Keep pushing. As I... as I was reminded when I was going to give up, um, you know, you're going to meet all these hurdles to keep going. And the lady who wrote Harry Potter, which we all know of, you know, she was rejected 12 times for that book. And now look how like how far she's come and how amazing she's done. So keep going. Um, and it's definitely a learning curve for myself. Um, but you can do it. You can absolutely just take the idea and just run with it. And it'll be amazing the amount of people that will come out and support you. Um, Sometimes you think you're all alone in the process, but people come out and they do show their support. I've had amazing support from Leash Offley. You know, the people have been absolutely amazing. And that's what's kept me going as well, you know. That's so sweet. And how has the process been? How did you figure out what you had to do or who you had to talk to about getting it published and even the, the artwork done for it? Yeah, so... At first, I thought it was just going to be the story that I was going to do and then just stop at that. And then my boys wanted to see it in book format. So I had to keep going and keep pushing myself. And it was just a lot of research. Um, so I'm in the process now of, as well of trying to get um, new links in the writing community and finding out. So there's Children's Books Ireland are amazing. Um, just popping onto their website and they give loads of information for new authors up and coming and events and conferences that are coming up and all so if you follow them that's great as well um but i'm hoping now with the second book to go the traditional publishing route and as the first book was i self-published it all myself so that includes yeah so that was a big it's a much faster process if you um Mm self-publish it's a must so that's why i wanted that i wanted to get it out and have the boys kind of see it because they were really eager to see it so it was just finding my own um, editor, your illustrator then, finding one that works for you and what your vision of the book is going to be and then sending it off to get it printed. So it was definitely a massive learning curve, but every, if I can do it, anyone can do it. You know, <laughs> I never thought in a million years that I'd be doing something like this, but I'm absolutely loving it. I really, really am loving it now. And you love it enough to be writing a second book. Is there anything you can tell us about the second book? <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's a unicorn who notices that she is she looks different to other people in her area. She notices she's not the same as them. So 
So she goes on a quest to find out where she fits in and where she belongs. And she meets all these other animals who kind of look like her, but they're not her family. So she goes and she meets all them. She realizes, no, you're not for me. And on she goes on her quest. And so it's really a lovely story of understanding that it's what's inside of us that counts and not how we look on the outside. That is the so sweetest I'm, thing. Yeah, I am really, really excited for that one. I'm super excited for that one. And how big of a help are your boys to this new book? They have heard the book over and over again. Because it's a rhyming book, I have to say it out loud when I'm writing to make sure that the rhyme flows nicely. So they have heard it over and over again. But just still, every time I hear it, Mom, that, every time they hear it, Mom, that's great. It's so good. Even if it's the 50th time, they're so amazing. Oh, that is so, it's <laughs> and, so nice to yeah, see that I they're getting involved. Oh, really? Yeah, when I first read the book to them, I never told them it was the one that I had written. So I just said to them, sit down, I want to read you a story that I like. And I sat them down at the kitchen table and I read it out loud. And they're like, wow, that's a great book, Mom. Where did you find that? <laughs> and then I had to tell them, no, that's the one I wrote. They jumped up with big hugs and everything. They were so excited. Oh, that is the loveliest thing to it hear. It was. It was lovely. It was really nice. So I was like, okay, I have to keep going with this book now. That's the motivation that was there to push absolutely, to keep going, wasn't it? Absolutely. Seeing their little faces. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So it is. It's this exciting journey. So it is. It oh, is. It's really nice. So I guess you'll have to let us know when the next book comes out. Absolutely, yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, because your first one has done so well, it's sold over 200 copies. Yeah, I got 100 more yesterday in the door, so I did. So, oh my God. Um, yeah, but I've, a bookshop got back to me, they've sold out of it, so I have to drop them in more. And the schools are really enjoying it, so loads of the students in the schools, because I go in and do talks um, of the book, and then we do a little activity, and then we do a little craft as well. So... Loads of the schools, then the students have got copies as well. So, oh, and I got I got a message today of a little boy who dressed up as elephant for World Book Day. Oh. Absolutely made my day, so he did. That is so sweet. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Oh, I, completely. The journey just sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I look at the start; it was finding my way and stuff like that. You know, I was like, "Am I weighing over my head here?" But Really, just everyone just keeps getting behind and supporting, so it's absolutely amazing. And it's nice to see you have that support, especially with your boys and the family and, you know, in the yeah. local community and that. Absolutely, it's been amazing. Oh, good. Look, Donna, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate oh, your you time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having oh, me Oh, no so problem. Much. Thank you. Big thanks to Donna for coming on and telling us all about her wonderful book. I'm very, very excited to find out about book number two. I'm so glad to say that I'm now joined by author Fidelma Mahan, who has been selected as one of 12 emerging writers for the Novel Fair 2023. Fidelma, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome, Shannon. So you've been selected as one of 12 writers from over 300 entrants for the Novel Fair. How did that feel when the news first came out? Well, very exciting, really. I mean, we're the, the 12 finalists were all winners and uh, they called us all Novel Fair winner. And um, it's exciting to be picked um, from such a large number and from uh, a number of different countries as well. So very exciting and very proud of myself. 
You should be. It's an incredible achievement to get, especially from many different countries. So I guess it it took place actually in February in the Irish Writers' Centre in Dublin, and you pitched your work to a number of different top publishers and agents. What piece did you put forward, and how did you get on? Uh, That's right. There was 17 publishers. uh, There were a number of uh, agents present also. Um, So we met uh, face-to-face on the Friday, which was the 17th, and then on the Saturday, there were a number of Zoom meetings, um, including one from a publisher over in uh, the States. So um, we had 15 minutes, you had 15 minutes to pitch your, pitch your book, um, pitch your manus- manuscript. And then they rang a little bell and you stayed at your chair and the publisher changed seats. And uh, it, it was very intense. I mean, you need to needed to know your stuff. Um, you needed to have it all worked out in your head what you wanted to say in those 15 minutes. And whilst 15 minutes seems like a long time, it's not really when you're trying to sell your product, which is your book, you know, and your idea and yourself as well. So um, my book is called uh, The Queen of Every Hive. And uh, I chose the title from uh, the poem The Song of Amersham which uh, was written by Amersham, the Milesian invader to Ireland back in uh, 1268. The reason I I picked the title of the book uh, was that in the poem, um, uh, Amersham speaks about the interconnectivity of all things. And there's a little bit of that features in my book. Uh, Well, it features strongly in it. That's the whole ethos of the book is the paradigm of nature, really and the life cycle. And uh, it's based in the Midlands, so it's a lovely, authentic, colloquial language and dialogue. And um, it's about, there's four main protagonists in the novel. There's Nuala, her husband Paul, Donald Farrell, and to a lesser extent, Nuala's mother, Roma. And then there's bit players as well, local characters and so on. But they're the main protagonists. In it. And I called, main protagonist Nuala is called after our own Nuala Fuelan, the Irish writer, the female Irish writer, um, whom I feel gets a bit of a raw deal sometimes in the Irish canon. And um, I admire her as a writer. And I did my master's on Nuala Fuelan and John McGahern. And John McGahern as well would have used the trope of the uh, hive. It's a, it's a very old Irish notion about the the hive, the beehive, and the hive being the community, and so on. But uh, Paul and Nuala have returned from uh, London, and uh, they come back from London just after the Celtic Tiger, and they're in the process of beginning a family, finding a home, etc. But um, they're finding that they have uh, fertility uh, issues. So Nuala has suffered a number of miscarriages, and uh, their dream is not happening for them as quickly or as easily as they would have liked. But uh, Nuala goes on to conceive naturally and she has this little beautiful little angelic boy called Adam. And um, Adam is their pride and joy. And unfortunately, when he's a little toddler, uh, Adam is knocked down and killed in a car accident by local man, Donald Farrell. So the book actually begins as their, their moving house coming up to the first anniversary uh, of the child's death and it's coming up to the inquest. And Donald Farrell uh, lives in Australia 
and he had been home on uh, holidays from Australia when he accidentally knocked down the child. And um, Nula's going through, uh, obviously, the horrors of grief and trauma, and uh, she's drinking too much, and she's very angry with the world, and she's angry with herself, and she's feeling slightly guilty because she has played a very, very tiny bit part in the accident, which I won't give away. Um, but it's something she shouldn't be feeling guilty about, but she is. And when uh, Donald Farrell comes home from Australia, Nula's world is turned upside down and uh, because they actually begin an, an affair um, herself and Donald. So it's really, um, it's springtime and it's all about uh, the nuances of uh, the rituals of country life, if you like. Um, it's really all about unresolved grief after the death of a child and what happens to people and the fallout, uh, particularly around the death of a child, which is, mm. you know, as we know, is... is it's a very tough situation really. to be in, isn't it? It's a yes. horrible situation for anyone to go yes. through. Well, you see, I did write this little Polaroid snapshots of my own life, and it is, it is a fictional piece of work. I have to clarify that. Yeah. But there are little Polaroid snapshots of my own life in it, particularly around miscarriage. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry. Also, you know, I know. I well, this is what I feel. You know that I think this sort of thing should be aired. I wanted to tell my story and my body and my life experience, but kind of tell it as a, as a slant if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I can get where um, you're coming from with that. Yeah, and um, I, plus I also witnessed um, my own mother and father, both of them are deceased, um, but they buried the eldest of us, my sister Mary. Um, she was only 12 and a half, and uh, poor Mary died from a rare virus called Ray syndrome. Even nowadays, they don't know too much about it, even yeah. now. And I just remember sort of observing really as a child sort of the fallout and the struggle and the trying to maintain a home and a life and struggling deep inside, you know. My mother went on to have um, the youngest of us, our, our, my younger brother Adrian. And I think my mother sort of healed in, as is the way with women through their body. And I think that's what I wanted to say in the novel. I wanted Nula to reappropriate her body and to heal through her body and to feel life again and to feel desire and to look at the paradigm of nature and that continuing cycle. She's she's working in this sort of mundane job in advertising and she's writing about stuff that she doesn't like and doesn't believe in. And I want her to go back to writing creatively and finding her creative voice and healing through that also. It's such now, a beautiful a... story that you've written. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough thing I can understand to write, but the way you've portrayed it, it just sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's tough. I mean, it's visceral. Mm. I wanted to keep it real. I don't really like formulaic writing. I like to keep it real. I like to keep it authentic. Oh, it's so beautiful. So I know you pitched this and from what I've spoken to you earlier, it, it's done very well, as you said. A lot of them have actually gone for your, your book. Well, they've. I, well, every one of them, bar one, uh, didn't ask for the manuscript and I had 
I had known that that uh, publisher wouldn't go for it because they turned it down before. So um, I was very happy with uh, the rest of them asking for it. Um, there was about six or seven asked for the full manuscript. Um, look, you know, when you enter these things, I mean, I sent it off, you know, w- with the chance of being picked. And uh, I mean, to get down to the final 12, I was absolutely delighted with and the other uh finalists were just fantastic people I really enjoyed it 10 women and 2 men it's incredible um, to be to be put up yeah. with them especially knowing that it's from different countries that you're all picked from so I That's guess right. knowing all of this what does the future hold for you now well look <laughs> I don't know I'm going to keep writing oh good um, I've had like I, I've been on some miscellany a number of times um, I've been runner up in the fish short story competition um, I've had numerous little colour pieces printed in various magazines or little anthologies, and I'm going to keep writing. Um, you know, I, my husband, uh, Tony Cody, is an artist, and he's a painter and sculptor. And I see him every day, he goes out to his workshops, and he paints every day, whether it's for an hour or he could be out there all day. And I love that discipline in him. And he shows me to be disciplined. You must sit down and write if you want to be a writer. And um, you must, uh, like Hemingway says, you have to sit at your typewriter and bleed. But uh, look, I'll keep trying. That's the main thing. And uh, sure, who knows? I could be ringing you in a few weeks' time and saying, Shannon, I have news for you. Oh, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) So I guess my final question for you is World Book Day is coming up very soon. And I'm just wondering, are you doing anything special to celebrate it? I'm reading a book called Shantaram at the moment uh, by Gregory Roberts. I'm a um, voracious reader now and I I uh, read many, many different, you know, I'm an eclectic uh, collector of books. But uh, yeah, I'm totally engrossed in it. So I'll probably be reading. I'm right, like I'm sitting in my little, uh, sitting. I have a room converted in where I write, you know. I'm sitting here now um, in my space and I'm, I've, before you rang now, I was writing. I was writing a short story. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll just finish off the short story and send it in somewhere and see will someone pick up on it. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Look, yeah. Fadama, thank you so much for joining us and I can't wait to hear in the future what comes of your book from the from the novel fair. Hopefully I'll have a bit of news for you, Shannon, oh. and it'll be positive. Yes, I think I think you will. I have faith that I have faith in it. Oh, we'll keep the flag flying. <laughs> Fidelma, thank you so much for joining me. Not at all. Thank you, Shannon. Bye-bye. Very excited to see what the future holds for Fidelma. We will let you know if she has any exciting news from the novel fair. This is Encore on Midlands 103 with Shannon. And my next guest is involved in the first pay and condition survey for musicians and artists. So on the 23rd of February, First Music Contact and Theatre Forum launched a national pay and condition survey of the music and performing arts industries. Angela Dorgan, CEO of First Music Contact, joins me on the line. Good evening, Angela. Hi, how are you? Very good now. Thanks for joining us. So this survey will document the experiences of musicians and artists and creative professionals um, and it'll be used to advocate for better conditions uh, overall is what I'm guessing. So, And this is because the sector has gone, has gone unmeasured. Well, I suppose the, one of the challenges for all of us over COVID, um, I was formerly chair of the National Campaign for the Arts um, and a lot of conversations you need to have at government level um, 
I suppose, are conversations that we all as resource organisations know are real in the sector. But what we started to learn is that data um, is, is hugely important. And um, benchmarking is, is another thing that's really important. So um, I had long admired Theatre Forum's pay scale review. This is, I think, their third iteration. And I felt like it was absolutely needed in the music sector for a number of reasons. One is that the we as the National Resource Organisation for Popular Music can better serve um, musicians on, the tal- on their talent development pipeline, which we already do. Um, but better serve them again and and look for what more we can do. But also, um, there hasn't been research of this kind done in music before. So we have no, we quite often have to rely on, um, you know, guidelines for session musicians and that kind of stuff on our nearest neighbours in the UK. So I suppose we wanted to set, first of all, get a snapshot of the conditions that musicians need to endure and and prove in, in data what we know to be true in experience, which is that most musicians are, are working for free until an album is released or toured or they're at a festival. So they could be writing, as they're writing their music um, and not performing, it's only when they perform and release it that they make money. So a huge amount of what we know to be true is that musicians do a lot of their work and their creative work unpaid. Um, and then the the other information we're hoping to hear back is how better, you know, what are the, the moments that they need, you know, more investment and more support and then plan new programming accordingly or bolster the programming we have available but also, how are those around them, so managers, labels, publishers, independent promoters, how are they all faring? Um, because we, we haven't mentioned them, we haven't measured them either. Um, so the last piece of research we did in, in the sector in 2018 was a, what supports would you like to see? This is very different now. This is a paying conditions. What are your living conditions? What are your working conditions like and how may we collectively improve it um, and I suppose having been involved with uh, you know bringing about or helping to bring about the basic income for artists pilot to gather the data necessary to demonstrate that the pilot needs to continue into real life after the lifetime of the pilot so we hope to do these as um, Theatre Forum have done for their sector we hope to keep doing it with them and do it every two years so that we can benchmark improvements and and check if the improvements that we're bringing in for the musicians work or don't work and what suits them and what doesn't suit them and hear continuously. I think if you're a resource organisation for a certain sector, you need to be hearing from them all the time. Um, So to make sure what you're delivering is fit for purpose for them. So that's why I, I guess we want as many musicians as possible to, to fill out the survey, but also those working around them um, who work in the music industry and so that we can, it's anonymous, so you can give us as much information as you can so that we can um, advocate for the best possible supports going forward. And I know you mentioned um, this is the first for musicians. So I guess, why hasn't there one done, been done before for this industry? 
Well, I suppose I can only speak to our own situation. We did a big piece of research uh, about needs analysis in 2018. um, And I suppose that for us was the first time we could afford to do that, if I'm being very frank. Um, So, and this is because we're now doing it alongside uh, Theatre Forum. We are able to afford to do it again because it's a collaborative endeavour. Um, so for, just from our own point of view, it was availability of staff and also being able to afford to do it. Um, I, I think in the intervening years when we did our needs analysis in 2018, it was to develop our 10-year plan. And one part of the 10-year plan was to do another needs analysis in five years. Um, I think we're a year ahead of ourselves with the pay scale and we'll probably do another needs analysis again, further down the line, but it, it's helping us keep, um, I suppose, in touch. But I, I suppose of this scale, it hasn't been done before, but a lot of sectors have researched their own sectors. So, for instance, we're um, doing our regional development plan now with 12 different, we, we're now on um, counties 9, 10, 11 and 12. Um, and we are going in and, and doing a needs analysis of every art musician in that county, county by county. We're doing it in, in partnership with their arts officers. So at that level, the needs analysis are being done. This is a wider all musicians, all industry. Um, and I, I suppose that's, that's the answer in our context. But in the more general context, um, there, there hasn't been a wide analysis of the arts sector since the Indicon report in, in 2011. And I, I would guess the reason there, so that's from, you know, from the state doing it. I guess that's um, a question you'd have to ask at that level. So, yeah. you know, as you said earlier, a lot of artists would, would, you know, play for free. So I guess the new basic income for Arts Pilot aims to support them. by a, So it's a payment of 325 a week. And it lasts, yes. it's for three years, isn't it? And you've had 2,000 picked for this scheme. So there were there were 10,000 applied, 8,500 were deemed eligible and 2,000 are on the pilot and 500 and I think 18 of those are musicians. Um, so we're very happy with that. <laughs> um, and there will be a lot, I hope, and I think to learn through that and actually that, that will include a survey and a pay analysis in itself. So it would be great to be, you know, looking at, you know, if if this is the pay scale review for the sector who weren't part of the pilot and then look at the, the hopeful increase in productivity and income uh, in the pilot, it will hopefully be a great way to justify the continuation of basic income for artists. Which, as you say yourself, is um, is in pilot session. Now it's coming up on a year since it was launched, um, so it'll be really interesting to see if those kind of supports work um, and and how well they work. And it's great to have it because I can imagine since COVID, there are many musicians and artists that have struggled um, and have probably even stepped away from from the industry. So I guess this pilot scheme and the survey are important for those individuals that are wanting to get back in there or are struggling at the moment? A hundred percent. And actually, that's one of the questions. You know, are you considering leaving or did you leave? Um, And why? And what could draw you back in? Um, And and those are actually direct questions in the survey, which we're hoping, again, um, 
both theatre form for their sector and ourselves for music. Hopefully that will inform our programming and, and supports we can develop for for to improve so that the next time we do the survey in two years, we're able to track some kind of improvement. And this is a fully anonymous survey. So it's on until the 16th of March. People can go and um, complete it. That's exactly it. So it's open till the 16th of March. It's 100% anonymous. We have an independent um, a, a researcher who's doing it, who, who've been working with um, Theatre Forum over the last number of their pay scale surveys. They also carried out the Words Ireland um, survey, pay scale survey recently. And I think it's going to be really beneficial to put music and, and our sector in particular up alongside the rest of the arts and be able to do a comparative analysis as well. So it's opened on until the 16th and all of the information is anonymised. And I guess that's one thing that's important. So at least everyone can have their say yeah. and not feel and not exactly. feel worried. So I, uh, they can find the survey on firstmusiccontact.com. Yeah, there's a button right on our front page. Or if you Google um, pay scale review or follow any of our social media, um, there's links to it and those as well. And I guess with all of this, what would be the main outcome you'd like to see? We'd like to hear from as many musicians and professionals as possible to have their say and to be able to shine a light on their needs and work um, together with with funders and, and with the department and with Minister Martin to um, develop outcomes or develop projects that might meet the demands or meet, um, you know, help those who are serving now to improve, um, you know, the income they can make as professional artists and, and professional music industry workers. Um, and and hopefully it, um, unfortunately, it is going to tell us a stark picture, I think, and but hopefully it will lead us to um, ways in which we can make that uh, picture less stark. Exactly. It's a start and it's a great start. And yeah. um, as you said, it's 15 minutes to complete and if everyone listening can... Take take that time just to go on and fill out the survey. It'd be great. Angela, thank you so much for coming on and telling Thanks us all so about much it. Thank you for having me. Thank Honestly, you. No problem. That was Angela Dorgan, CEO of First Music Contact. And if you want to take part in the survey, you can find it on firstmusiccontact.com. Spink Coltis have announced the launch of a new music festival in Abbey Leaks on the 25th and 26th of March. And I have music director David Vesey on the line to tell you everything you need to know. Thank you for joining me, David. Thanks very much, Shannon. Great to be here. Thank you. So I guess the theme of the festival is inspiring young musicians for the future. So what can we expect from this new music festival? That's right, Shannon. So um, this this music festival from Spin Cultus uh, is set up sort of to promote um, uh, the traditional Irish music, song and dance uh, in, in County Leash. So one thing that we noticed uh, over the course of lockdown was you know, young musicians didn't have the same opportunities uh, that they normally would do, you know, for meet, meeting other young musicians and going to concerts and all of this kind of stuff. So uh, our idea with the festival is to inspire young musicians by exposing them to high quality tutors and to meeting uh, great uh, young musicians uh, from around the country as well as students. And you have a huge lineup of uh, music tutors. And from what I've seen on the website, they have more Ar- Ireland titles than County Kerry has in football. 
<laughs> That's right. Well, we have a really strong lineup of tutors, as you say. Um, so uh, Alan Finn, for example, uh, was a three-time All-Ireland champion with the Shandrum Kelly Band. Uh, we also have the renowned uh, Granville sisters from County Kerry, Aoife and uh, Deirdre Granville. Uh, we have Greta Curtin uh, on the concertina. I think she's also from County Kerry. Uh, and then we have um, some more great musicians such as Thomas Ahern, Murren Nihay, Jason McGuinness. And then we also have some leash-connected musicians as well, such as Robert Harvey and Molly Donnery. So we certainly have a really strong lineup of, of great musicians from all around the country. Which is brilliant to have. And as you said, it's a, it's a massive opportunity for young musicians to meet with these and to learn from them. So I guess, um, is that where the, the idea came from I, once COVID was here, was to bring this once COVID was finished? Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's, it's sort of to, to inspire, I suppose, young musicians um, and it's something, you know, that uh, there, there is a really strong demand for, I suppose, traditional Irish music uh, around the country. And it, it's such a, a popular thing. So we're kind of really fostering, you know, what, what's there already, I suppose. You are. And I mean, you go through different sort of flutes and the whistle and the harp and the fiddle. And this is over two days, which is which is great. So registration for tickets opens on the 13th, Monday, the 13th of February. That's right. And um, uh, students are already signing up um, for the masterclasses, which, as you say, will run over there over the whole weekend. So students can sign up for those on, on our website, which is thinkcultus.com, uh, I think, or .ie, my, my, my apologies, uh, .ie. Uh, and we also have um, a big tutors concert as well on the Saturday evening. Um, so this will feature all of those tutors I just mentioned, uh, and that'll be that'll be a really special concert. Um, so yeah, it's 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 such a a big undertaking this festival, and um, it's been a real team effort from the whole committee. So our our great festival leaders, Gillian Martin and Marguerite O'Donovan, have done have done exceptional work uh, in helping to bring this this festival all together. Uh, and also our our chair chairpersons uh, Una Aylward and Genevieve Bennett have have also been real leaders on on this on this festival. And you've had some great help from the volunteers and your sponsors as well. I know you were telling me that they've really helped bring all of this together because you're actually right. celebrating yeah. forty years. Yeah, that's right. So this year is Spink. Uh, it's the forty-year anniversary of Spink being founded. So it's a big year for our, our Cultus branch, and we're going to be doing lots of events throughout the year. But I suppose this event uh, would not have been possible without ge- the generous funding and support from Airgrid uh, as part of their Leash Kilkenny uh, Community Development Fund. Um, it's great that you know a company such as Airgrid is is supporting an event like this, which is uh, designed to inspire. Uh, and encourage young musicians. It is. It's it's something that, that I don't think is done, I'm not sure. But as well as hosting this, you host the Leash Fla in June. And so you're all very, very busy this year over in, in Spink. That's right. That that Fla will also be held in Abbey Leaks. Um, so that's an, another big event, I suppose, coming to Abbey Leaks this year. Uh, and we're really grateful um, to Skullmura in Abbey Leaks for helping us host... Um, these workshops uh, and also um, potentially the flower as well coming down the line. Um, and then also um, for our tutors concert on the Saturday night, 
we're going to have the stunning use of the um, of the church in Abligs, uh, St. Michael's and All Angels uh, Church, thanks to um, Canon Patrick Harvey. So, um, yeah, it's it's a very, very exciting time for SYNC and there, there's lots of things going on this year. That's brilliant. And I guess one of my questions is, is there an age range for, you know, some of the people that can register or for kids to get involved or what is the age range like for, to be involved in this festival? Yeah, so generally um, our, our music students will uh, be under the age of 18, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we're open to accepting uh, adults if they so wish to uh, sign up as music students. Um, and then uh, all ages are welcome um, for our our concerts and all of our other events. Um, it's a real sort of kind of family family festival, yeah. And that's really nice. It's, it's lovely to have in Abbey Leaks as well. Um, and I know uh, early bird tickets are available earlier, aren't they? Uh, that's right, yeah. So uh, early tickets are available, as I said, through through our website. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I, you, you can check all, all the prices and everything everything there on the website, yeah. And what time does the these two days run from? Is it an all-day event or is it just in the afternoon? Uh, yes, it's an all-day event. Um, so uh, the, the classes will be running uh, all day on... Um, on the Saturday and the Sunday, and and then the the tutors concert will be held on the Saturday evening. So that will be sort of the the centerpiece event, I suppose, of the whole weekend. Because that be because that brings everyone together. And as you said, it's on in Saint Michael's Church in Abbey Leaks, which is a beautiful church, is from what I've told. That's right. It is. Yeah, it's a real special venue, I think, uh, and it prom- promises to be a special night of music from uh, great musicians from all around the country. And I guess as music director for the event, what are you most excited for? Um, I'm most excited to see, um, I suppose, the young musicians and their reactions to um, uh, the the great tutors that we've got and also seeing them interact with their peers uh, because music uh, is such a social thing, uh, particularly traditional Irish music where you're playing with other young musicians and you're integrating with them and you're making new friends and you're learning from each other as well. So I'm really excited to see that sort of um, friendships uh, evolving over the course of the weekend, hopefully, and um, seeing seeing young musicians learn and and uh, experience new things. And it's nice to have this since COVID, because I know when COVID was around, you couldn't do anything like this, and young kids couldn't get out and learn or even, you know, interact with, with people. So to have something like this come up, it is an incredible opportunity. That's right, and I think we I think we appreciate it all the more because because of that time of COVID. You know, um, I think last year there was record attendances, for example, at the All Ireland Flag, which was held in Mullingar, um, and we've we've been experiencing you know high demand as well across a range of events and concerts that, that we've we've done. So um, I, I, it promises to be a very exciting weekend, and I, I think, as you say, it, it's great that we're, we're able we're able to do these great great events now. It is, and it's a lo- it was a long time coming, but I know you actually um, were still able to do certain things over COVID, which was which was good to have. Yeah, that's right. So um, our online classes would have continued over COVID, and you know the, the students would have still been learning. But um, it's I think it's much much better, uh, you know, interacting on a face to face level and uh, in person as opposed to over screens, which, which we had to do over COVID. Um, so yeah, it's it's really exciting, I suppose, to 
see, you know, t- things happen uh, on a face-to-face basis and in a live setting. It will be. And I mean, on the 25th and 26th of March, when this festival kicks off, it'll be an incredible an event for everyone. David, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Shannon. Yeah, it's been great, great to speak to you. Brilliant. So that was David, who's the music director for the Spink New, new, new Music Festival, excuse me. But um, that is all the time that we have for this evening. But just before I leave, I just wanted to mention that Athlone's Musical Society has their upcoming production of Chess, the musical, starting on the 3rd of March in the Dean Crow Theatre, and it runs until the 11th. So if you want... Any information or tickets, go to deancrowtheatre.com. And that is all the time that we have for this evening. Join me again next Thursday from 7 for more of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offley and Westmeath. And if you want anything on the show, you can get in contact at Encore at midlands103.com or follow us across all of our socials. Joe Cooney, the amazing Joe Cooney, is up next. (laughs) 